You're listening to a podcast of The River in Durant, Oklahoma. We hope that what you're about to hear will bless you and empower you to live the life that God has called you to live. We hope that it will strengthen you in faith and that it will help you better understand and better recognize who you are in Christ Jesus. I want to ask you to pray with me right quick. We uh, have been addressed by the Holy Ghost here today already. And it was a great confirmation to me for this message, that dream that was brought forth. Mm. When you hear what I'm preaching to you, you're going to say, Oh my, there is a God who knows our names, who is concerned about where we are in the world and what's going on in our lives. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name for the power of your Spirit to bring us the truth and to help us understand what it is you want for us in the earth. Help us, Lord, today to commit ourselves to be greater citizens of the kingdom of God and stronger sons and daughters in your family. Help us, Father, to understand these visions that you have for us these visions that you give to us, these dreams of the Spirit that cause us to want to grow and be stronger and be better in you. Thank you, Lord, for that. Thank you for speaking here already today. We thank you in Jesus' name for the transitional time that that, that many are experiencing right now. These graduates from high school, those that are graduating college, those that are having transitional times, a new beginning, if you will. Thank you, Father. For this time being that for us all here today. And I believe for the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Christ upon every hearer here. That this word will fall as seed into good soil in Jesus name. And all God's people said amen. Amen. I want to talk to you today about four visions. Four visions God has for you. Your father has vision for you. And there are a number of manifestations of this vision in the Bible. But I want to talk about four of them because Paul is recorded, it's recorded that Paul had four visions. We're going to look at all four of them in here, but here's what we learn from these visions. That God has a vision for a new beginning. God has a vision for you for a new beginning. God has a vision of the need in this world for you and your giftings. Ooh, you have gifts. And God has a vision for you in this world, the need in this world for you with your gifts. God has a vision for you to connect to a community and be planted. Thank you for your enthusiasm. God has a vision for your preservation and well-being. That's the number four. God has a vision for your preservation and well-being. Let's take our Bibles and turn to Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. We're going to read about Saul of Tarsus. The fire-breathing Saul of Tarsus. Next to Jesus, the greatest hero of the church. No question. The single greatest Christian that ever lived was not Mother Teresa. It was Saul of Tarsus otherwise known as Paul. Verse 1 
Acts chapter 9, verse 1, And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined about, round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth, and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise, and go into the city, and shall be told thee what thou must do. Now, if you look at Acts 26, 19, you don't have to turn there, just let me tell you what it says. Paul, giving his testimony, telling this story to King Agrippa, says this at the end of the story. Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision. He called his conversion experience a vision from God. Are you hearing me? He had a vision that was so real. Now, that does not mean that visions are not real. It knocked him off his horse. Knocked him off his horse and onto the ground. And a great light shined around about him. And other people heard this. Some saw the light. Some heard the voice. But it was a real experience. A vision is not a non-existent experience. A vision is a real experience. Okay? And, what, and the first vision Paul had was a vision about his new beginning. Jesus has given Paul an opportunity to start over. Amen. How many of you are grateful for an opportunity to start over? Every spring means God has a vision for new beginnings. The grass tries to take over our driveway every year. If the guys didn't come out there and poison it, it would just eat up our driveway because the new beginning is strong. It's strong. A new beginning means you've got strength. There's a story of, a, of the eagle. Lives to be 40 years old, and then something happens. He starts, he starts to die. And the eagle is going to die at about 40 years old if he doesn't do something. The eagle has to make up his mind to live longer. But to live longer, he's got to go through a transformation. He, he can have a new beginning or he can die right where he is. Are you hearing me? Amen. You can have a new beginning or you can die right where you are. Because three things have gone bad for him. Things that used to be wonderful for him. His best tools, his beak, his talons, and his feathers, his wings. It's not like a chicken just molting. The eagle has to do all this work himself. He has to knock his beak off on rocks. He has to go to a high mountain, get away from everybody who, who could harm him, everything that could get to him, high rocky ledge, and beat his beak off of a, on a rock because his beak has become old and bent down and just doesn't work anymore. He has to beat it off his own face and then wait for it to grow back. He can't even eat anything while it's growing back because, you know, he's got to you have his beak like you have to have your teeth. His mama's not around to make him soup. <laughs> Beaver soup. He, he, he can't do that. He has to wait for it to grow back. 
Then he has to pluck out his own talons. Once his beak grows back, he plucks out his own talons. Okay? And then he, when they grow back, then he starts picking at the feathers. And this, this animal is making himself go through a, a transformation of renewal. But he has to do it himself, has to make a choice. Now, Jesus gave you a brand new life. And he did it all. All you had to do was believe it. And it came to you. But along the way, you're probably finding out that you have transitional moments in your own life, like a graduation. Like a graduation. You've got to do something for yourself now. But the, the good thing is you have the weapons and the talents and the tools to do it. You can change. God has a vision for you to have a new start. Even if you've been saved 40 years, like the eagle, this happens at 40 years old, he can live 30 years. If he'll do this, if, he'll go, if he makes up his mind to go through this process, he'll live another 30 years. They live as long as humans do. Amen. And he's just as strong today after his transformation as he was when he was first full adulthood. Still got all the muscles, got new wings, got new claws, got a new beak. Look out, fish. Here I come. He can see from a mile away, you know. I mean, this, these, these birds are amazing. But they have to make up their minds to go through transition. They find many dead 40-year-old birds. They find many that don't go through the transition. They just refuse for whatever reason to do it. Let me tell you something. The transitions that God has in mind for you are visionary transitions for the future. Amen. He's thinking about good things for you. I don't care how old you are, how worn out you feel. And I feel worn out sometimes. Amen. Am I in the right house here? I mean, you, but how you feel is not the truth. That's not the truth about you, how you feel. Right. Amen. Amen. Somebody asked me one day, he said, how do you feel, Dr. Holler? No, they asked me, they said, how's the world treating you? I said, like a baby treats a, di treats a diaper, but what's that got to do with anything? <laughs> the world's not going to treat you nice. It's not supposed to. The world's supposed to try to kill you. <laughs> That's why you have a covenant with Almighty God outside this world. Amen. Your, your, your rules, your laws, your, your reality comes from a different time, space, reality. Praise God. Craig, where are you? Where's Craig Northcutt? Show me that thing in your pocket. This boy was as good as dead three years ago. This week he got his driver's license. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. He didn't get it the first time. He had to knock his beak off. He didn't get it the second time. He had to knock, pull his claws out. But the third time, he got the new wings. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. Verse 18 of chapter 16. Let's turn to chapter 16, Acts chapter 16. We're looking at these, these wonderful visions God gave to Paul. One was a vision of new beginning. Verse 8 of chapter 16. And they, passing by Mysia, came down to Troas, or the city of Troy. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, 
immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. The second thing is a vision. God has a vision of the need in this world for you and your gifts. The reason He wants you to be strong is because the world is needing you. The world is in some way crying out for a manifestation of the sons of God. They may resist you. They may not know you or what they want. But you are what they need. I didn't know I needed to eat spinach. But my mother knew it. My mother knew it. I didn't know I needed to, to learn English and American literature. I didn't know I needed to do that. My English teacher knew that. He was a Baptist preacher and he saw the call of God on my life and he made me learn things that I didn't want to learn. In high school, I'm talking about. He was an unusual man. He cared what the students learned. You have giftings that nobody else has. Yes, you do. You have something, Dean, in you that nobody else in this church has. And this community is waiting to see it. Amen. They need to see what's in you. Because of the gifting that's in you. That was put there by Almighty God who has an enormous array, array of intricate thoughts and diversity and how He can make us all the same and all unique at the very same time. Make us all one and make us all extremely unique at the very same time. How does He do this? He's God. He's God. And He has a wonderful vision for every gifting you have. There are people that need what you have. If you will sit yourself and say, look, Lord, I'm here. I go to church. I am a church member. I'm in this community of faith, and I'm glad to be here. But I want to contribute. If you start saying, Lord, use me. Use me. I'm going to tell you something. He will use, did you notice that Paul was not in Tarsus when he got this vision? Paul was not in Jerusalem when he got this vision. These, these are his two hometowns. He was raised the first 13 years, first 12 or 13 years in Tarsus. The rest of the time he was raised in Jerusalem at the feet of Gamaliel. Remember? But he didn't get his vision at home. He got his vision out on the road. His vision that the world needed his gifts. He was trying to do something. Listen, you've got to get busy about something before you can find out what you're really supposed to. Yep. Amen. Well, I'm not called a nursery. Well, why don't you try it? Yeah. God might, you know, are you, uh, I know it's not shouting ground. <laughs> I know nobody's going to have a Pentecostal fit over this one. <laughs> Remember the sandwich makers? Remember the first seven deacons? We don't really know anything about their duties except their first duties were, the first duties were to go get in a squabble in a room full of women that were mad at each other. I don't blame the apostles for not wanting, in that jo- wanting to do that job. I, hey, let's find, some, let's find some gullible guys full of the Holy Ghost and power. And we're going to send them in that room over there. Hear those, hear those women in there squalling and scrapping at each other. Hey, boys, go in there and fix that. Oh, thanks. Thanks for letting us into the ministry. That was their first assignment as deacons. 
But the first thing you read about them after that, it's like the book of Acts becomes the, the Acts of the Deacons instead of the Acts of the Apostles. Because the next two chapters are all about two of the deacons. Stephen and Philip, the Holy Ghost fo stops following the, the, the apostles while they're huddled up studying the Bible and, and reading and praying. There's nothing to talk about there. He's, he follows the guys that are out doing something. And because they volunteered to do a distasteful job, God let them see what their real gifting was to go to Samaria and start a re revival. To start, to start revival in Jer Jerusalem like Stephen was doing. And the whole nation of Israel became shaken because of two deacons. One of them, later they called the evangelist Philip. He's the same guy. He was a, started out as a deacon. He became an evangelist because he was willing to serve. You see, Paul was not at home when he got the vision. He was out doing something. He was on the road. He got this vision to go into Europe. Your next vision from God for your gifting to be used might just be waiting on you to get involved in something even if you don't think you're called to it. Amen. That's good preaching if you ask me. Holler, I'm with you. I don't care if they like it. I'm with you. You're doing good preaching. I'm a Dallas Cowboy fan. After 20 years of blanks, I'm still a fan. I love that team. I'm not altogether sure why, except I just, you got to love somebody. <laughs> I love the Cowboys. Amen. Thank you for your enthusiasm. I appreciate that. <laughs> you got one person who loves the Cowboys. That will admit it. 20 years ago, everybody loved the Cowboys because we won every game we played almost. But I, I think about that team. And a guy we had on that team by the name of Tony Dorsett, I mean, by the name of uh, uh, Emmett Smith, not Tony Dorsett, Emmett Smith. Y'all may not know this, but he is statistically the best running back that ever played the, the game of football, statistically. Now, if you ask who's the greatest running back, people are going to say Barry Sanders, O.J. Simpson, Jim Brown. They're going to name a bunch of names before they get to uh, Emmett, but statistically... He is the best in every, almost every category. He has all the stats that prove he's the best. I wonder about that. I wonder what, why is he, was he so good, but he wasn't all that good. You know what I mean? He didn't have great speed, didn't have great strength. He was just slippery. You know what I mean? Uh, he was just an amazing football player. But I wonder what about him? What about him? What was it about him? I think it was something other than his toughness, although he was pretty tough. He took a lot of hard hits. Teammates. Teammates. But he played at Texas Stadium. In Texas Stadium, I've been there many times because I'm a fan. <laughs> we have something in our stadium called the Ring of Honor. And around it is a bunch of names. In that Ring of Honor is a bunch of names. Names like Don Perkins and Don Meredith. Jethro Pugh and... Bob, Lily, and, and come on down the end. I was there the day, by the way, when Emmett, Aikman, and Troy, I mean, uh, and Irvin were inducted into that hall, of, that hall of Fame, that Ring of Honor. I was there. <coughs> it was kind of cool. But all through his playing years, he wasn't up there. 
He's, a, he's down behind Troy. And here's Troy say, down, set. And Troy was the best at that stutter, stutter count, pulling the defenses off sides. I mean, man, he was awesome. Down, set, huh, And I think that Emmett was back there in the backfield looking at those Ring of Honor names. <laughs> and he comes down to the end and he sees the one on the end. The one on the end at the time was a guy named Tony Dorsett. His initials were TD. Because <laughs> he knew how to make touchdowns. <laughs> Tony Dorsett touchdown. And I think Emmett looked up there and saw that Tony Dorsett. Now, if the Cowboys were goal and to go, you know, fourth and goal or goal to go, everybody in the offense knew what the play was going to be. Give the ball to Emmett. <laughs> everybody in the defense knew what the play was going to be. Give the ball to Emmett. <laughs> everybody in the stands knew what, who was going to, what the play was going to be. Everybody watching by television who didn't even understand anything about football said, they're going to give it to that guy right there. <laughs> you know why? Because he knew he could go in. Why did he know he could go in? Why didn't he, well, he had a great offensive line, sure. But I believe there was something in his heart that made him think he was bigger than what he really, really was. I believe he looked up there and saw Tony Dorsett who ran the longest touchdown from scrimmage in the history of the game. From the one end zone to the other. Looked up there and said, what he now, what he was, I now am. Amen. Oh. Looked up on Hyde, his hero, and said, what he was, I now am. Some of you need to look on Hyde to your hero and say, what you were, I now am in this earth. I am what this world needs. I can score. Give me the ball. Jesus' vision for you is that you understand your gifting is needed in this world. Your gifting is needed in this world. And what He was in the earth, you now are. Amen. You are Christian. Not, not something like Christ, but that means little Christ. Actually, it means one anointed like, the, like the, the one was. One anointed like the one was. You're one anointed like the one was. We still worship the one. We still hold his name up high. We know he's, he's our all in all. But we now are in the earth what he was. Amen. Praise God. Chapter 18, look at this. Paul's third vision. Then spake the Lord to Paul in the night by a vision. Be not afraid, but speak and hold not thy peace. Acts 18, 9. Now verse 10. For I am with thee, and no man shall sit on thee to hurt thee. For I have much people in this city. This is, this is Corinth he's talking about. And he continued there a year and six months, teaching the Word of God among them. This is very rare for Paul. He only stayed this long two places that I know of, unless he was in jail. <laughs> he stayed in jail quite a bit. He stayed in Ephesus two years, and in Corinth a year and a half. And he came back to Corinth one time after this, at least one time. 
So God's vision for, was, for Paul was he would connect to a community and be planted. Be planted. Be planted. You can do all kinds of exploits if you have a connection. The same time we're talking about you've got to do something extraordinary, it does not go without a connection. Amen. Don't ever go do something for God without a connection to a planted place. Somebody that you can call your family. Somebody you can call, someplace you can call home. It's important to have a home church. Now all of y'all are here today, so I'm not preaching to you, but I'm preaching to those empty chair, chairs there, I guess. <laughs> but God has a vision for you to be connected to a, a community, a community of faith, and be planted, be strong. Well, I just get tired of the same old thing. Well, same old thing is a marriage. Same old thing is your kids. Same old thing is your profession or your job. It's normal to get in a church and stay in a church. Amen. It's normal to get in a church and stay in a church. Now, I'm not saying God can't move you from one to the other. I mean, we've all had that. But it's not, He's not going to move you every two months. <laughs> not going to move you every couple of weeks. Well, I liked last week's sermon, but this week stunk. <laughs> I'm going to find another... No. <laughs> I liked last week's sermon because there wasn't anything about money in it. <laughs> God's vision for you is to be connected to a community and be planted. Because you cannot grow until you're planted. You cannot grow. Come on, somebody say it. Yeah, I cannot grow until I'm planted. They found seeds in Egypt that were thousands of years old. Did you know this? They found some seeds in a coffer that were thousands of years old. And they would not grow. They were just dried up. They thought they were worthless. They took them out and planted them and watered them, put them in the right environment, and they began to grow these ancient plants. They began to grow these ancient plants. They've been preserved underground, and these seeds grew ancient plants. Wow. Why? Because that seed had life in it and it just had to be put in the right environment. It was not in the right environment. The right environment for growth is to be planted. Not laying around in a box. Planting. That means you've got to put down some roots. Amen. Amen. So be strong. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. The first, the first idea there is to get strong by getting your roots planted deep. Recently we had trees blow down all over this town. Because the winds are coming. The winds of adversity come. God sees planting as a real important part of your life. Because whether you like to admit it or not, there's trouble coming. I'm not a prophet of doom, but how many of you had some trouble this week? Let me see the hand. See, see, trouble is just coming. It's just out there. You live in a negative, hostile world. If you haven't noticed it by now, this world is set against those who 
those who believe God. But with your new beginning, your start over, praise God. You're raising them from the dead. Yep. Comes this, this time to be planted. Get a vision for planting and be planted. He said there a year and a half, which is really uncommon for Paul. He liked to stay a week or two or a month and then go. Acts chapter 20 and ver 27, rather. Acts chapter 27 and verse 20. Our fourth vision. Acts chapter 27, verse 20. And when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared, and no small tempest lay on us, they're, in, they're about to have this big shipwreck you've all heard about with Paul. All hope that we should be saved was taken away. You know, Paul is just like us. He lost hope from time to time too. But after, after, after abstinence, uh, after a long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, you should have hearkened unto me. Now, if a preacher once in a while says to you, I told you so. He's in good company because Paul said, I told you so. And not have loosed from Crete. I told you we should have stayed at Crete. He, tried to t he did tell them. Yeah. And to have, rather than have gained this harm and loss. Verse 22. And now I exhort you to be of good cheer. <laughs> okay, we're just going to get happy now. We're all going to die. I exhort you to be of good cheer. For there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. Let me tell you something. This world's religion always tells us bad things happen to you. Because you make bad choices. And that's partly true. But good things sometimes happen, happen to you even when you have made bad choices. Because there is a God who is on your side. God wasn't going to let Paul die for some stupid decision made by somebody else. Verse 23. Verse 23 there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul. Thou must be brought before Caesar, and lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. The community at large needs you, because sometimes it needs you to save their life. God may just be blessed. Ann and I have noticed, we've taken note, note of this, and it happens all the time. It happened to us on this last trip out to San Angelo. Every, every convenience, I always try to look for convenience stores that don't have people there. I do. I don't like crowds at the gas pump. Do you? I don't. But every single time I pull up to a desolate gas pump, if I go to the bathroom, I come out and have to stand in line. How's that happen? There's nobody here. I pump in my gas, I go to the bathroom, and I come out and I have to stand in line to pay my bill. Because there's favor on me and I'm blessing the community. It follows me around everywhere I go. I, how many of you have had that happen to you? Look at you, look at you. See, there, that's because the favor of God is on you. And blessings follow you. And you bless those around you. God gives you blessings so he can bless the community. He says here, Fear not, Paul. You must be brought before us either. And God has given thee all them that sail with thee. Verse 25. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me. 
Here's the last vision. God has a vision for your preservation and well-being. He has a vision for your preservation and well-being. God thinks thoughts toward you. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. To give you, the King James says, an expected end. The text actually means a hope and a future. To give you a hope and a future. To know that this trouble you're facing is not the end of the road for you. Amen. This is not where I check out. I might get knocked down, but I'm not knocked out. No. This is not where I check out. Got to have a determined attitude that God has a vision for me. God can see down my road. And God lives on the inside of me. I'm going to see down that road too. Vision for your preservation and well-being. I've, I've often told this story. I don't know if I've told it here or not. I don't know who the richest guy in Durant is. Probably Greg C. No, <laughs> I'm just messing with Greg. <laughs> but whoever the richest guy in Durant is, can you imagine going to his house? Go to his house and say, and him invite you in. Yeah, come in, come on in, come on in here to the house. I want you to see this. He's got this sprawling palace. Beautiful marble floors. Got a drawing room in there where people normally, guests normally sit. And, and with a grand piano sitting in an 11-foot concert, Steinway grand piano, $10,000 chandelier, $50,000 chandelier, whatever. Pure leaded crystal, gold. Over there in the, in the living area, which would be a parlor of, of sorts, he has the finest furniture dating back to Henry VIII. All beautifully ornate, perfectly detailed. As we say in the decorator business, well, nicely appointed. <laughs> From Miss Anson, she understands that language. You go into the, they've got servants' quarters, they've got, they've got the finest of everything in this home. He's got a media room that has every single toy he walks in, just, just the sound of his voice turns the lights on. Every toy you can imagine. Got a garage full of the finest automobiles, 18 of the finest automobiles made around the world, uh, starting at $200,000 and up. I mean, this, this guy's got it all. Somebody says, Mr. Jones, we understand you have children. Where are they? Children? Well, sure, I've got children, but you don't think I let them stay in the house, do you? <laughs> Well, where are your kids, Mr. Jones? Well, see that sidewalk goes up to that back gate back there, out the back of the house? That turns into a little dirt path. And about a quarter mile down in the woods, I have a tar paper shack with a smoke with a, with a wood stove in there. That's where I keep the kids. What would y'all think of this guy? An evil beast of a man, right? The sorriest evil beast you could ever imagine. This is a picture that most people have of God because the church lets them have that idea that God lives in opulence and wealth beyond imagination, but He demands that His children live in squalor. 
That's not the God of the Bible. Because the God of the Bible is not just our God. He is our Father. And He has a plan for you. His plan for you starts with you being with Him. Living the kind of life God lives in the earth. Amen. For Jesus went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil because God was with Him. When God is on the scene, trouble has to bow its knee. God has a vision for you. A vision of your prosperity. A vision of your, your blessing. A vision of your perseverance and your preservation. In Jesus' name. God bless you today.